0: I am Duncan MacLeod, born 400 years ago in the highlands of Scotland. I am immortal, and I am not alone. For centuries we have waited for the time of the gathering, when the stroke of a sword and the fall of a head will release the power of the quickening. In the end, there can be only one.
1: Welcome back to Let's Watch Highlander. This is Highlander Season 1, Episode 6, titled Deadly Medicine. As always, I'm your host, Travis, and with me is Audie. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Uh, Boy, we got a doozy of an episode this week. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for sure. Episode starts out, Duncan leaving a grocery store and he gets hit by a car. So he gets taken to the emergency room where, obviously, a little while later he wakes up uh, and has to kind of sneak out of the hospital as the rest as the entire the entirety of the ER staff uh, goes from checking him in his major head trauma to immediately all of them going to another patient, right. which I thought was hilarious. But he sneaks out. Um, yeah. And later on, uh, the. ER staff finds out that he's missing. It takes him a while, but they find out that he's missing and they don't know where he is. But the ER doctor says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. the ER doctor played by our special guest this week, Joe Pantoliano, as Jay Doctor Pants. Yep, as Doctor Wilder. So he he finds out where Duncan or who Duncan is because Duncan his his quote unquote brother checked him out. So then uh, Doctor Wilder tracks him down, drugs him, and hauls Duncan off to his basement to experiment on him. And Duncan eventually gets out. Dr. Wilder is confronted by the nurse from the ER. He kills her. Uh, meanwhile, Duncan fishes out her camera from the pier, from the water where she was killed because determined that she had a camera. They had, there was The camera strap was still on her wrist. They develop the film, find a, a half of a picture that showed Dr. Wilder's ring. They track him to that. Meanwhile, uh, our favorite character, Randy McFarland, uh, intrepid reporter, is digging into all sorts of stuff because she's tired of being an anchor, apparently. And she gets kidnapped at the end by Dr. Wilder. Duncan shows up to save the day. Oh, boy. Duncan Tessa. Yes, Duncan and Tessa. Uh, quite the episode, but I think the main thing to talk about will be our special guest, which is Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. Org. Uh, yes, hi, this is Dr. Wilder in ER. Did we just send over a cold one? Uh, No, Dr. Wilder. It's been real dead down here. So our special guest playing the role of Dr. Paul Wilder is Joe Pantoliano. Good old Joey Pants.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just going to come right out and say it.
1: He's terrible in this.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if it was the direction or whatnot, but he just... This is not the Joey Pants we know. No, I love Joe Pantoliano. I have liked him since I was a little kid. He
1: had a small role of the character named Snake in Running Scared, which is one of my favorite movies ever, and I remember it from being a kid. He's got you know goofy red hair, looks like a parakeet. He's not in the movie for very long, but he's really important to the beginning of the movie. I love him. I've seen, obviously, in The Matrix, in uh, The Fugitive, in U.S. Marshals. I love him in that. Mm-hmm. Police Captain in Bad Boys. Yep. I mean, he's great. He's a great actor. He's a great character actor. He is awful in this episode. I yeah. don't, I don't know if it's the fact that they only shot over the course of a week, if they didn't give him much direction, what it was, but whole oh man, he's just, I mean, we talked last week about Joan Jett being inconsistent in her performance, how one one half of it was not great, but it was fine. And the other half was pretty, pretty pedestrian and not that, that good. This is all over the map. He's, he's portraying Dr. Wilder like four or five different ways.
0: Yeah. He's really all over the place. And for anybody that's thinking, well, maybe this is early in his career, it's not. Like, this is early 90s. He's well into his career. He's made, he was in the Goonies. He was in, I remember him from La Bamba, Empire of the Sun, and stuff like that. Like, he's had some bit parts to there, but he did them super well. And this, it's just like, he's just kind of barely breathing through the script.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was 1992 he started acting in 73. Mm-hmm. So even with a, a gap of a couple of years here and there, like he had been acting for almost 20 years by the time he did this. Yeah. And he's just, I mean, it's just all over the place. One, the first scene you see him in, he's acting pretty middle of the road, right? He's the ER doctor. He's got his head on straight. He's being pretty, pretty normal for the most part. Mm-hmm. The next scene you see him in, Is when he tracks down Duncan, gives him the uh, needle in the neck to knock him out, and you see him in his basement, and all of a sudden he's got a little bit of an accent, he's speaking differently, and he's being, you know, evil experimental doctor. Mm -hmm. The very next time you see him, he's this, like, mousy, you know, tripping over his own words, unable to really make eye contact with anybody type of guy, which we didn't see before, and then... Then he goes to, like, kind of serial killer mode. And then he all of a sudden he has slightly British accent in one scene uh, when he's talking to Randy. Like, it's just, I mean, all over the map. And, boy, did they give him some bad lines, too.
0: Yeah. And Monica in chat's like, I blame Highlander. Yeah, you got to blame Highlander with this one. Because, yeah, three years Hunt. later he's in Bad Boys. The next year he's in The Fugitive. Yeah. Like, this is not him. This is not his problem. I'm willing to bet this is one of those things where he's a good actor. He comes in, and the director tells him what to do, and he's just like, screw it. If I'm going to get yelled at for doing good stuff, I'm just not even going to try that hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had done uh, an episode of Tales from the Crypt earlier in the year. And yeah, I mean, the fugitive Cosmo Renfro, which is a great role of his, was the next year. So it's not like he's... Right. Not sure as an actor or anything, I think, I think you're right. I think he wasn't given much in the way of direction. So he just did whatever the hell he felt like. And, and who knows? I mean, you know, I don't blame him for the bad performance, but he is not good. And the character is terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's unfortunate because you have somebody, I mean, this is our third guest star that really is somebody that I enjoy. Vincent Schiavelli was great and they gave him good material to work with and he did something good. It's just, it's like they didn't give him a direction to go in. So he just decided every scene I'm going to do different and we'll see what, what they like. Yeah. Probably kind of picking a direction, which would have been a lot better. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's good work if you can get it, obviously doing something like a Highlander uh, episode is only going to be a week's worth of work. Who knows what he got paid for it, but it's mm-hmm. just so up and down and, and out of nowhere. Like, I, I found myself laughing out loud at the horrendous faux British accent he put on. It, you know, on top of the fact that if he's acting like this, this nurse in the ER is going to notice this di- these differences in him, right? And she's not calling him out on it until... She's calling him out on lying about stuff, but not like, you're acting funny or anything like that. I don't know. Right. Which so. just... Like she wasn't written any better. No, no, not really at all. Good Lord. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's, I wanted to talk. I was, I had a better memory of this episode uh, going into <laughs> watching it. I haven't seen it in a long time. So I was like, oh, that's right. That's the Joey Pants episode. I I, I liked this one because I like him. And mm-hmm. I watched it twice today, uh, hoping that maybe the the second time I would find something I liked better. It It was actually worse on a second watch. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's Joey Pants. Sad. sad that he's in this episode so bad at it. I know. Ugh. And and this has like a 7.0 on IMDb somehow. I don't know how it got rated that high. But poor Joey Pants. I mean, I love him as an actor. This not his finest work.
0: No. Barbara, I'm sorry, but you won't be
1: telling anybody anything. Why? Because you'll be dead. So
0: flashback-wise in this episode, there wasn't one.
1: Uh, it's another one where we just have zero flashback.
0: Because, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, there's not another immortal in this episode at all.
1: Right. Yeah, our, our villain is just immortal. Um, so the closest we get to a flashback is some flashbacks of Duncan remembering things that happened to him while he was under anesthesia.
0: Right. Which was were weird... weird. Yeah, it was a weird kind of um, remembering the technique they were trying to do yeah Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit more later
1: on the whole Duncan being anesthetized type thing but yeah yeah we need to talk about that and but overall not not uh there isn't a flashback music wise though there wasn't a a dedicated song for this episode or anything like that like we had last week with Joan Jett um but there was a musical cue that they just they played the ever-loving hell out of (laughs) Overall, I mean, the music is your typical early 90s stuff that they've used in a, a few other episodes so far. Um, nothing that really stuck out to me other than that that musical cue.
0: Yeah, just our regular Highlander music for the most part. Yeah, which
1: this could have benefited if they'd found a way to, you know, if there was a way to work it into the story, uh, a good song. But there was no real point to have a montage, so.
0: No, not really. Except maybe
1: when Duncan's escaped and kind of trying to figure out what to do. yeah. I don't think tonally that would have fit very well. Is the only thing. Yeah.
0: Anchor's only good for holding things down. I'm an investigative reporter. I belong out in the street.
1: Wrong. So this episode brought back our quote-unquote favorite character, Randy McFarland. Uh, who mm-hmm. has, she has a uh, the subplot, basically. She's the B-plot in this episode. Yeah. So I was writing notes down the first time I watched this today, and... One of my notes was, I hate her less in this episode. And then I watched it a second time and I realized, no, I'm wrong. I I don't like her any more than any
0: other episode here. But Well, there's parts where she seems better. Like, she seems like an actual reporter. Like, at the very beginning, it's typical Randy where she's told what to do and she's like, no, I want to do something else. But then as she's getting into the investigating of this, whatever's going on, it's like, okay, she feels like a real reporter trying to get a story and then at the end it's back to good old randy just saying something stupid being stupid and it's just like uh okay well so much for that
1: i think that's what it was at first i was like okay so i don't hate her as much and then at the end she lost all that goodwill that she had built up in this episode as a character for me with some dumb some dumb line that she gave because you're right there was a part of it i will admit where She's acting like an actual reporter. She doesn't want to be an anchor. She doesn't want to be sitting behind the news desk. She wants to get out and do her job. And her boss is telling her, you know, you don't have a choice. I sign the checks. You do what I tell you to do.
0: So. Right. Which I, this is probably just me being a dummy when it comes to how actual journalism works. But like, I feel like most cases it's like somebody is wanting to be at the anchor desk and be the one on TV that is always getting listened to.
1: Mm-hmm. Typically. And
0: it's like they want to get the story to work their way up to be an anchor or something. Right. So it was funny um, in this. It was like, I don't want to sit at the desk. I want to be out in the field.
1: Yeah. And to an extent, I get that. A young reporter is going to want to be out in the field because they want to make a name for themselves. So, sure. But at the same time, if they're trying to make a name from them, for themselves and they're being told, no, you're going to sit at the news desk and be you know front and center – there anybody in the is in the business is going to jump at that chance because these aren't this isn't a newspaper investigative reporter or a magazine investigative reporter she's working for a television station there was also the annoying thing of her just like walking into whatever situation she wanted with camera on and that mm-hmm. especially the pier scene where where she shows up at the crime scene literally standing a foot away from the where the body was right and just starts talking. It's like, no, 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 that would not happen. They wouldn't let her anywhere near that. Right. Especially she would never get that close. Yeah. Not at all. I just think overall, I hated her less in this episode. And again, it's not a, it's not the fault of the actress. Amanda Wiss is perfectly capable. The character is just so poorly written that it drives me insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but this, just luckily this episode, she had more to do and, in- for the most part, did it well.
1: Yes. Yeah. She had more to do. So she was better in this episode. Like I say, I hated her less. Uh, Mm -hmm. we don't have a whole lot of Richie in this episode. He's only in a couple of scenes. He doesn't have much to do. So can't say whether it was good or bad. He was fine in the couple of scenes that he
0: was in. Right. Interesting little character stuff with him and Tessa though. Like I remember at the beginning when she's freaked out, she's like, help me, Richie. Like, you know, just a little bit of that, uh, friendship that seems to be building.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, they're, they're slowly building that, which is good, you know, as Tessa and, and Duncan have taken Richie under their wing. So yeah, overall, I like that. Tessa has more of a role, but she's still not, not super in the episode, but they don't make her the damsel in distress. Uh, Randy becomes that at the end of the episode. Right. And she goes to investigate Dr. Wilder. By but,
0: herself without anybody. Smart right. move, Randy.
1: Oh yeah. Total smart move right there. Uh, but mm-hmm. Tessa's Tessa's fine again. Um, she mm-hmm. she spends the first half of the episode just worried and concerned, but not putting any effort into looking for Duncan, which I thought was weird
0: in a way. Right. Well, it's so, funny how much more Richie seems to understand. Like Tessa, he knows yeah. what he's doing. If he needs to come, if he's going to say something, he'll say something.
1: True. Uh, we also had our third different police person. Uh, yes. Yeah. We had no, still no Sergeant Powell. He's gone. I don't know if he ever comes back. I don't remember. Our commissioner Kaminsky doesn't show up this time. We get uh, Sergeant Harold played by Stephen E. Miller. He looked really familiar to me and I cannot think of what I know him from, but that face looked familiar.
0: Oh yeah. I looked through his IMDB. He's just one of those guys. That's a character actor in everything. So, okay. yeah, 173 credits. Yeah. He's just been in just about everything here and there. As this more kind of uh character, a lot of times it seems like some kind of cop or investigator or something like that, or just whatever it is, he's the more down-to-earth guy that plays that kind of character. And he's fine. Uh I just again I would
1: have liked it to have been Powell because I liked him in those first couple of episodes and then he just sort of disappeared. It's like they they couldn't figure out who they wanted to be. Right there. Cause even the, like the police station looks different. Like they had a completely different set for it. It was a lot smaller. So mm-hmm.
0: it was odd, but just figured. I hmm? almost wonder about um, just being able to book these actors and yeah. having trouble with that and just saying, okay, well let's just change the name. We got to get somebody in there. True. Yeah. Cause we're
1: back to a Sergeant and no longer the police commissioner out uh, doing the beat work. So. Um, and that's pretty much it. There's not much else in the way of actors. There's, as we mentioned, there's no Immortal. So those are kind right. of your main players um, who showed up throughout the episode.
0: hmm You don't give up, do you? Never.
1: So one thing that this episode did, and it kind of drove me batty, was uh, they have no consistency into how Immortals work. And I don't know if it's a yeah. we're still figuring it out thing or what, but... You get at the beginning of the episode, Duncan gets hit by a car and has major head trauma and is taken to the ER, but he's immortal. His head's still attached to his body, so he wakes up. That tracks. Right. That works so far. He's groggy when he wakes up in the ER. Okay, I get that. Immortals are affected by drugs and alcohol. We've seen that in uh, movies and episodes before. But given his healing factor and given his uh, what would have been his metabolism, that effect should have worn off a lot faster than it did. Right. And then for him to, so he, he gets drugged, um, at the hospital. It's just a morphine drip or, you know, whatever it is. So some sort of sedation drip that doesn't wear off before he, like it's still affecting him when he gets back to the antique store enough that he doesn't hear somebody come up behind him and he gets drugged again. Right. Then he, he, then he is strong enough to get out from the bindings holding him to the gurney, but he's disoriented and can barely move until the next day. That really drove me crazy because you had literally a scene in in the middle there where a part of his arm is cut and you watch it heal in front of uh, Dr. Wilder's eyes.
0: Little mini quickening style healing. Yeah. So it's just so
1: inconsistent with what affects him and what doesn't. Uh, I can understand the morphine affecting him, but it shouldn't have lasted as long as it did.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: not only not only that but Adrian Paul's uh, drunken stumble was pretty bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, this whole thing it is just like they they didn't think about the rules they needed to lay down and oh. you know what this was about cuz like one of the first notes I made was like okay, he gets hit by a car, so do immortals just heal up or do they have to go through that death before They can resuscitate and, you know, come back. And then, like, right after that, something happens. Or I guess just because he walks out of the hospital, I was like, okay, I guess they heal up. Because a second ago, apparently, he was, like, practically brain dead. And now he's walking and looking around. Mm -hmm. But definitely, like, okay, either he heals really fast or he doesn't. Like, whoever wrote this was definitely hand-wavy to the Mm -hmm. whole him resuscitating mentally as opposed to physically. Right, and, and it's only
1: there to serve this particular plot where mm-hmm. the morphine is affecting him like that because if he if his body can regenerate as quickly as we've seen, his metabolism would be super high. Therefore, he would metabolize the morphine in his bloodstream super fast and he'd be fine minutes after coming out of it, after getting that needle out of his arm, and it's no longer being pumped into him. Right. Plus, it would take a ton of morphine pumped into him to keep him down, or mm-hmm. it should it should so that, but yeah so that was inconsistent and that really bugged me not only that but we had adrian paul goes 25 minutes of this episode without basically speaking a line which i right. thought was interesting he's he's not a bad actor with just you know his physical movements but again it just felt weird and this the episode itself just felt very disjointed between the first 25 minutes is this strange like no talking from adrian paul very mm-hmm. little Richie and Tessa and all of this. And then the second half of it, he's going to some guy, Sam, who I think we've seen one other time. Yeah. And now goes from being like a, what was it? I think before he brought him gems or diamonds or something. Uh, the no, last time we saw it was
0: him? a painting last episode.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And then now he's bringing him photography and right. he's, he, he's resurrecting, uh, camera film that's uh which by the way you have to wonder how many people in today's day and age would watch this episode and be like why can they only take 24 pictures
0: right (laughs) (laughs) or see that camera she's holding and be like what is she holding right like i saw it and i knew it i was like whoa that's an old camera
1: yeah and then they do their computer simulation which i will give them credit they he talks about we'll use it to enhance the photo but the way he describes it is great because it actually kind of makes sense. It's taking yeah. the data that's there and reconstructing the best guess of what it should be. Right. Now, it's way better technology than they could have
0: possibly had at that point. I was going to say, my notes were their super enhancement CSI style.
1: Wow. Yeah. But at least they gave it the, the description of it's, it's interpreting what's there. Mm-hmm. I also liked the, the window showed magnification 200% and it was the same size. <laughs> right. That cracked me up. <laughs> but I don't know how much more we see Sam. Um, I think or, this is it. I, I, think I remember seeing the yeah. credits and he's just in these two episodes. And not only that, but like, what's his relationship to Duncan? We have no idea. He just sort of showed up for an episode or two and then
0: he's gone forever. But he's someone Duncan trusts enough to go to when he's wanted for murder.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was another yeah. great, uh, great moment is on the phone. When Tessa tells him when he calls from the payphone. Uh, again, kids pay phones were a thing we had before cell phones. Um, he calls Tessa and she immediately tells him, Oh, you're wanted for murder. I'm what, like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. And then he's, he's sitting at that cafe for how long and he has a newspaper in front of him and he never looks at the date and he's out in the open and just like, yeah, this is just, just inconsistent left and right. It was just not a well-written episode. And I don't know if this was an earlier script that they just pushed back a few weeks for production because we've seen better scripts in this already.
0: Right. Or it's just when they just, okay, we've got an episode. Let's just get it done because you've got 20 yeah. something of these to do in a season. They're not all going to be gym, So we just got to get done what we can get done. That is a very good point because that is
1: one thing that current television model or I guess you would call it the current streaming services model helps is that series don't have to be 22, 20, 24 episodes long. They can do 8, 10, 15 and tell the story they need to tell and however many episodes it takes and you don't have filler episodes. Right. And this is 100% a filler episode. Very much so. So overall, um, I mean, this one, we've been grading them here and there. This is a, a lower grade for me. It's like a C minus D grade. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it just wasn't that great. Yeah, I mean, if you're a completionist, if you have to watch all the episodes, you can uh, you can get through this one, and that's fine. But if you want to skip an episode in season one, and this is the one you want to skip, you're not losing anything. You miss no plot or character development whatsoever.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no immortal that's going to carry over to another episode that you're wondering about where's that relationship from.
1: Right. Yeah, this was using uh, basically the, the story trope of what happens when humans find out about immortals. Mm-hmm but it doesn't go anywhere after that because Dr. Wilder gets killed at the end of the episode in right. rather sad Almost fashion.
0: Accidentally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a they they have a, a struggle in his lab, something gets knocked over like a bunsen burner after he throws some random chemical into uh Duncan's face and then he gets thrown into a yeah, and he gets thrown into a corner and lands on a scalpel. So Right overall I mean look if you want to skip an episode and you're asking me hey uh, should I watch every single episode I'll tell you straight out you can skip Deadly Medicine you won't miss Mm -hmm. anything
0: yeah Um, It was funny too because I was listening I think it was at the very end of the episode the doctor's explaining Joey Pants is saying uh, talking about gene altering and they they peppered in a little bit earlier about him talking about being healed super fast yeah just off of happen, happening to run into Duncan and sure that he's going to figure out something. Right, yeah. But you, uh, we... you don't get that gene-altering line until the very end of the episode, and like, well, oh, it would have been nice to hear that at the beginning. Like, why is he doing this? Like, everything, all the plot as to why he's doing it just gets dumped towards the end of the episode, and it just feels kind of just thrown in there.
1: Yeah. No, it definitely, there's there's no why as to what... Where, what made him become a wannabe Dr. Mengele? He just sort of <laughs> is experimenting. And they touch on, oh, he's been doing this with other people. Why those other people? Were they right. other immortals? Like, it would have been more compelling to me had he had some idea that there were people like Duncan out there. And that's why he was targeting these certain people, not just like random ER patients. Right. So, so that was Deadly Medicine. Uh that's episode six of season one. Now next week is episode seven, and it's one entitled Mountain Men. Uh this also has a uh actually a pretty pretty cool special guest as well. We'll we'll give this one away. I I, I feel like it's not hurting anything, but special guest in that is Mark Singer. And if that name doesn't ring a bell for you, just think Beastmaster. That's yep. who it is. So that is the episode next week, which is Mountain Men. Um And that that wraps up remember Hmm?
0: that one. I don't remember. So
1: I remember parts of it. Um, So it'll be interesting. So Mm -hmm. come on back next week and check out mountain men with us. uh, Episode seven of
0: season one. And let me say this for this specific story of a doctor wanting to get something out of immortal, If you want to see this story done well, Watch The Old Guard on Netflix right now. The Charlize Theron action movie is exactly this. Oh, Somebody really? figures out that there are people who are immortal and wants to try and figure out how to get that. That's the basic plot of that movie. Um, but oh. they do it so much better, and it's an action flick. So, Oh, see, I still need to watch that. So now you're making me want to watch it more just to yeah. wash the taste of this episode out of my mouth. So <laughs> Do that. Wash, wash the taste out of your mouth of this episode by going to watch The Old Guard, see it done kick-ass style there's even some swords and an axe in that one so all right it's nice well that's gonna wrap it up for this week
1: so audi uh let what do we do why don't we do this again in a week and we will watch mountain men um so and we'll talk about that one sounds Sounds good to me all right well until next time there can be only 112 more episodes